0: This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. Well, I think you know we can look around the world today. We can definitely look into the church, and we can see that there is a crisis in the church. When you study as pastors statistics that are coming out from research organizations like Barna and others, it shows us that we've got a problem because there's little difference between Christians and non-Christians. When you look at the statistics, we see that there is a crisis. Divorce rates are about the same for Christians and non-Christians. The percentage of men who are regularly viewing pornography about the same. Domestic violence, drugs, and alcohol abuse, about the same. One in four Christians are living with somebody that is not their spouse outside of marriage. Only about 6% of confessing believers tithe regularly. Pre-COVID, only about 50% that call themselves Christians attended church regularly. 60 to 80% of young people leave the church when they get into their 20s. And only about one in five, 20%, one in five, know what the biblical doctrines are, the fundamentals of the faith. That's why last week we introduced that we're going to be starting And about 120 or more of you have texted in the word reset. We're going to be starting a class, a a, a, a virtual class. I'll be teaching primarily most of it with some of our Assemblies of God leaders and some of our own pastors. The fundamentals of the faith. It's not too late. We haven't started. We're going to start right after our fasting season. If you want to be a part of that, all you have to do is text the word reset to the number that you'll see on the screen. We've got a crisis and we've got to begin to admit it and we've got to deal with it today may not be an amen type of message it'll be an old me lord help me let there be a reset and a new beginning i believe all of us there's going to be a part in our life where we say god let there be a reset can i just hear an amen an affirmation type it in the box reset new beginnings I wanna talk to you about our key passage today. I'm not gonna read it because of its length. It's found in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 18. It's a story, it's a part of scripture where Paul is helping us to see the start of the church in Corinth. And as Paul is in Corinth, we're gonna see that there was some opposition as he began to preach and to teach and yet we're going to see the values of his ministry. And I believe they're values for you and I. We see in Acts chapter 18, he's, he's in Corinth and, and, and he begins to train them. In verses 4 and 11, he begins to teach and he's in the synagogue. He's in the, the temple. And, and every Sabbath, it says in verses 4, he would go to the synagogue. Some people say it's my Sabbath, it's my Sabbath. I'm gonna do nothing on my Sabbath. That was not the idea of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a time to refresh your body, to to re-energize yourself, to spiritually get renewed. It was a time where you would go to the temple. You would spend time with the family. And every Sabbath, he would go to the temple and he would begin to train. In fact, in verse 7, we see he even began to go door to door to door, talking about Christ and sharing Christ. What Paul was doing was he was teaching about real life. He was, he was sharing how you could have an experience with God. One of our values, it's our first value, our core, one of our four core values is that we experience God every weekend. Our services are designed that we can experience God, that we can learn and we can grow and we can become what God wants us to be. Then it says that Paul taught He would teach them the word of God. In fact, he stayed a a year and a half, it says, teaching them the word of God. Another value for us as a church is that you're growing in the image of Christ, that you learn how to demonstrate the power of God and the wisdom of God in your life, that you and I walk in the anointing, that we walk by the Spirit, we're filled with the Spirit, we're anointed by the Spirit, and we walk in the Spirit. Can I hear an amen? that we experience him. We grow in the image of God, the power and the wisdom of God. That's what God wants us to experience. And that was the basis of Paul's ministry. When you look at this passage in Acts chapter uh, 18, you see that he experienced some some, uh, rejection. He experienced persecution. Uh, uh, We see that that many opposed him and blasphemed him. He actually turns from not only preaching to the Jews, but preaching to the Gentiles, those that were outside of the Jewish faith, because he knew that all needed to experience God and all needed deep roots in their life. But he has this, he has this terrible uh, uh, struggle in preaching and teaching. In fact, we know that he becomes overwhelmed and discouraged. And I can tell you, as a pastor, pastors and leaders get discouraged as well. We, got, we all walk through uh, our human emotions and feelings. How do I know Paul was discouraged? Because in, in verse nine, it says, "One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. He came to Paul, and he says to him, "What? Do not be afraid." But keep on speaking. Don't be silent. Keep doing what you've done because that's where my anointing is going to be on you. And God has called you and I to do the same. Why would he be afraid? Well, he had been threatened in Damascus. He had been threatened in Jerusalem. He had been persecuted uh, uh, and ran out of Antioch of uh, Poseida. And we walk all the way through Paul's ministry and we see the persecution. We see that he had a terrible conflict with one of his best friends, Barnabas, and they end up going separate ways. Have you ever had a conflict with somebody that's close to you and you find that it leads you down different paths that can be heartbreaking he's cast out of Philippi he's threatened in Thessalonica he's forced out of Berea he's mocked in Athens everywhere he goes he faces that and yet I mean mean, if you think your ministry is hard look at Paul and yet the Lord says don't be afraid keep on speaking keep on doing my will keep helping people experience me keep helping them grow in their faith that's my will and my purpose for you well, here God was coming and he was encouraging him and, and encouraging him to be faithful. And here we see his faithfulness because in verse 11, it says he stays a year and a half and he's teaching them the word of God. Well, as we come into this point, we see his faithfulness and his call and, and in God's call on his life and, and the early church. I believe as we look at Paul's life, shows us that the early church and and the apostles and the teachers of the early church had as a priority in their life spiritual growth. It was a priority that everyone would grow roots that are deep. New Year's Eve, I said to you, if you're going to see reset and if there's going to be new beginnings in your life, we can walk through this fasting season. We can write down our prophetic declarations and we can write those down. But I can guarantee you, if you do not grow roots that are deep in your life, you will not see what God has planned for your life. God's given the church apostles and and prophets and evangelists, pastors and teachers. He's given us those offices of the church, those roles and functions within the church to help us grow roots that are deep in our faith. All of Paul's life was focused on that purpose. If you have your Bibles or your devices or if you've downloaded the app and you're looking at the outline, look at this next verse with me in Colossians chapter 1. In verse twenty-eight, it says, "Him, the Lord Jesus, we proclaim, warning every, warning everyone, and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone what underline it mature in Christ. For I toil, man, I I I, I feel this with Paul right now. I toil." Struggling with all his energy, God's energy, that he powerfully works within me. It's the emphasis of Paul's ministry. So our goal as a follower, that's you, that's me, that's all of us that are Christ followers, all of us that are Christ followers, God's goal for us is that we are conformed into the image of Christ. In Romans chapter 8, verse 29, it tells us that for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be what? Conformed. What is conformed means? It means that, that we are in the same likeness of Christ, that we are a reflection of Christ. My life, your life, my attitudes, my actions, everything is a reflection. That my very nature, that is my being, my, person, uh, my personhood is a reflection of Christ, that, that I am made, I'm being transformed and conformed into the image of Christ. He is eternal. He is perfect. He is without, uh, uh, without sin. There's no, uh, uh, in, in the glory of God, there's no disease, there's no pain, there's no more death. And God desires that you and I, on our journey to be with him, are being conformed into the likeness of Christ. Let me share it with you in another way. 2 Corinthians 3, 18. And we who with unveiled faces... Now, my prayer during 21 days always is, God, unveil my vision, clear up my focus, help me to realign and focus in on what your purpose is, remove the veil that has blinded me and is distorting the view of what I see. And we all have that challenge. So in the 21 days, God, I want you to, unli- I want you to, to remove this veil so all of us with unveiled faces, all what reflect the Lord's glory. Come on, help me out now. Come on, help me out. Just talk to me or little, you know, if I don't feel you, I don't feel like you're getting it. And so I'll keep preaching and preaching and preaching and preaching. So just help me out, right? Help a preacher out here, right? An unveiled face, we all reflect, say it with me, reflect, the Lord's glory, and we are being transformed into his likeness. That's a metamorphosis, like a, like a caterpillar that becomes a butterfly. There's a metamorphosis that's taking place spiritually within me with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is in the Spirit. So his plan has always been that that we will be like his son, that we will be a, a reflection of his son. God's desire, Ephesians says, is that you and I grow up in Christ. In everything, we are a reflection of the glory of Christ. So what does that mean? Is that I look like Christ, I act like Christ, I have an attitude like Christ. Now last week, I introduced that to you. God's priority is that we're to be like Christ. We're to be like him, we're to think like him, and we're to act like him. That's what it means to be a disciple, a Christ follower. In fact, if I were to give you one scripture that's a definition of a Christ follower, a disciple of Christ, it would be Matthew chapter 4 and verse 19. Read this together with me out loud. Now, you're in the mass. If you want to pull that mass down and shout it out, I'm going to give you permission. They'll get on me later, but I'm going to give you permission to do that, right? I want you to Read this aloud, then put your mask back up so I don't get in trouble. Here we go. You ready? Matthew 4 19. Come, follow me, Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. Now, can we say it a little bit louder so those that are at home can hear? There's people in the auditorium. Say it loud with me. Come, follow him, Jesus said, and I will. Now, if I had to give you a definition of a Christ follower, what does a disciple look like? It's that verse. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. Why is that a great definition? It's because a disciple is one who knows and follows Christ. Last week I said it to you like this we think like Jesus I know and I follow Christ, follow me the first part of this definition of what is a disciple is actually the invitation that Jesus makes and that is if you will follow me and come under my authority under my direction under the lordship of, of, of who I am in your life if you will follow me I will make you fishers of men so a disciple is someone who knows and follows. The second part of that verse is the second aspect of what a disciple is, and that is, is a disciple is one that not only knows and follows, but it is one who is being changed by Christ. Last week, I said that we will be like Jesus. I'm becoming like Christ in my attitude and my actions. I will make you. It's a metamorphosis. It's, a, it's, it's that which is taking place in our life. It's, the, it's, it's this aspect of the change that I reflect the glory of God in my life, and I become like him. And the third aspect of a Christ follower, I said to you last week, and it comes out of this verse here, is a disciple is one who is committed to the mission of Christ that I act like Jesus, that we will become fishers of men. You see, when I become a disciple, a Christ follower, when this change is happening is in, in within me, I look at people differently and things begin to, to happen differently in my life because now I look through the eyes of faith and I look as Jesus would look and I'm praying, God, help me to see and feel what you feel, oh God. And so I get committed to the mission of Christ. So I see here in this verse that if I'm going to be a disciple, it requires spiritual growth in my life. But the question is how? How do I know that I'm growing? How do I know that I'm really a disciple? And there lies the crisis that's in the church. The crisis is, we should be growing, but the problem is, is we don't know how to grow, and we doesn't know, and we don't know what it looks like. You see, like you go to school, you you get your grades, you get a report card, you know what your GPA is. You have a, a scoreboard in sporting events. You know what the score is. You, you've you got records that are being kept. If you work in your job, you might have a, a, a reviews and, and improvement plans and, and ways that you can in, improve and who you become. But the problem is, and the reason there's a crisis in the church, We haven't been good at evaluating where am I and where does God want me to be and then having a plan and a path of how I can get there. Now, that's one reason why the fundamentals of the faith class is gonna be so important is because we're gonna help you to understand how do you lay the foundation Too many people are up and down in their spiritual life, and we want you to have a solid foundation that you can stand on, and you can build that which God wants you to build in and through your life. So again, join. Over 120 have already texted it. It's gonna be a class that I'll be teaching. Join the Fundamentals of Faith class. Just text the word RESET to the number you see, and you can be a part of it. So what I wanna do in our final moments... I want to help you to understand what does the spiritual growth plan or path look like? How do I know where I'm at? How do I know how to get to the next step? What are the attitudes, the actions, the way I should be thinking? What does that look like? Because really there's five stages of a disciple's spiritual growth. Every one of us are in one of the stages. What I have found is we can move to a stage, but if we're not careful, we can fall back to another lower stage if we don't continue to become and press and be what God wants us to be. I want to use a metaphor of life, the metaphor of parenting, to illustrate this progress or this process of spiritual growth. What does it look like? The first stage is what I'm calling becoming spiritually alive. Spiritually alive. You see, before we accept Christ as our Savior and we become Christ followers, the Bible says we are spiritually dead. It's pretty easy to recognize when someone is not fully spiritually alive. If you're spiritually alive, you can recognize the fruit and the evidence of one that is not spiritually alive. Paul says it this way in Ephesians, Ephesians, he says, uh, chapter two, verse five, living Bible, that even though we were what? Spiritually dead. And because we were spiritually dead, we were doomed by our sins, Oh, you're walking around. You're what's that that show? You're, you're the walking dead. You're walking around, but you're spiritually dead. Yes, we were spiritually dead, and because of that, we are doomed by our sins. But he gave us back, hallelujah! He gave us back our lives again when we received Christ. From the dead. We received the gospel message, and only by uh, his undeserved favor have we been saved. You see, stage one is that right there. Stage one is we were spiritually dead, but now when we accept Christ and the message of the gospel, we become spiritually alive. We become alive. What's the evidence of someone that's spiritually dead? Well, they're living in the transgressions of their sin. The power of sin still has a grip on their life. What's the evidence, a characteristic of one that is spiritually dead is they're still following the ways of this world. Their passions, their pursuit, their desires are for the things of this world instead of the things of God. And thus, that's the crisis in the church today. We're in the church, but we've not been transformed. We're not being conformed, and we're following the ways of the world and the customs of the world instead of the ways of God. We politicize everything, we compromise everything, we justify it, we rationalize it. Well, I just don't believe that, and before we know it, we're walking down a path that the world walks when we should be different. We're not following the work of the Spirit in our life. In fact, we're disobedient to the voice of the Spirit if we even recognize the voice of the Spirit. Spiritually dead, the Bible says, they gratify the desires of the sinful nature. This carnal man, the flesh, has a desire, and if you're spiritually dead, you're craving that. But when you're walking in the spirit, you've learned to say no. You've learned to crucify the flesh. You've learned to say, God, my life is your life, my will. I want it to be your will. And therefore, I'm following not the desires and the thoughts of my sinful nature, but I'm following you. You know, there's things that can be said in any of these stages that indicate what stage is the individual, or what stage am I? These actions often, these words will often reveal uh, the spiritual growth process in the stage um, where I'm at. And so, in, in this stage here, you'll often hear people say, Oh, I don't believe there's a God. Oh, well, the Bible is just a bunch of myths. God is a crutch. Oh, I went to Catholic church. I was was baptized when I was a baby. I was an altar boy. These are often sayings that you will hear. There's many ways to get to God. Just pick a way and you'll get to him. Oh, I've been a good person. God is a good God. He wouldn't turn anybody away. You see, there's phrases and statements. The greatest need of somebody in this phase, let me just say, that is yet to become spiritually alive, that have yet to give their life to the Lord, they're spiritually dead. It's one of the greatest things they need is a clear uh, explanation of the gospel and what does it mean to be saved, that, that God has forgiven you of your sins, that there is a good news. It's a message of hope and we are the messengers of hope. You'll see in a later stage that we've got to share that. Another thing that somebody in this stage spiritually dead before they can become spiritually alive one of the greatest things that they need is they need to see the gospel in your life in my life they need to see it lived out we need to live what we say we believe Many times they just need answers to questions, questions about God and Christianity and the Bible, uh, questions about the church. They just, they just need their answers, uh, the, their questions answered so that they can come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. In fact, I want to encourage you, if you have anybody in your sphere of influence, and I'm sure we all do, that have yet to become spiritually alive, I want to encourage you during the 21 days to begin to write their names down and begin to every day begin to pray that God, you'll give me opportunity to explain your gospel. You'll you'll, you'll help them to see in me what does it mean to be a Christ follower? God, you'll create within them a curiosity that they'll begin to ask questions and you'll help me to answer those questions and and that God, you'll give me the opportunity to invite them to receive you as the Lord and Savior. Because the last thing they need is an invitation to know Christ and to come to that understanding of who he is. So I encourage you, write those names down, be praying over them. That leads us to a second stage, one that becomes spiritually alive. When you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we, we, we pass from being spiritually dead to now becoming spiritually alive. That's what we call being born again. Now, the metaphor is that one, when they become spiritually alive, is a spiritual infant. Regardless of the age of our conversion, we all enter the Christian life as a spiritual infant. I was 17 years old. I was raised in the church. I was raised around the church. I was raised in a Pentecostal Assemblies of God church. I was on the pews when we would have revival. I was crawling under the pews when services were going long. I was doing everything that a young teenager would do to try to pass the time. But then at 17 years of age, God intersected my life and impacted me. And at that moment, I stepped from being spiritually dead. Even though I had been around life, I was in the middle of life, I was spiritually dead. And I stepped out of that and I received the Lord and I was 17 years old. And at that moment, I became a spiritual infant. You could have been 40, 50, 60, no matter what age you step out of that spiritual condition of being dead and you become spiritually alive and now you are a spiritual infant. I believe the majority, a large majority of the body of Christ today are in this stage right here. Oh, they've been in the church a long time, but we have a crisis in the church. It's not about how long I've been in the church. It's not about how much have I heard sermons, but it's about how much am I living it and has it transformed me and conformed me to be in the image and the glory of God in my life. And so here we see some characteristics of one who is a spiritual infant, is first of all, infants just lack knowledge. They just don't know, they're infants. And it's the same spiritually, is we can be a medical doctor, a lawyer, a a physical scientist, whatever we want to say, and if we have all of the knowledge of the world and we accept Christ, we are still a spiritual infant. And what we don't know, we don't know, and the spiritual truths that we've not learned, we have yet to discover, and there's just a lack of knowledge. Many times there's a mixture of, of beliefs with Christianity, there's a mixture of what we thought, what we believed, what we were taught, what we were trained, maybe we even came out of another uh, religion, and now there's confusion, and in that confusion, we're just ignorant of the ways of God and what God would want phrases of this stage is, I don't need to go to church regularly. I'm a believer. I I didn't know the Bible said that. Oh, there's nothing wrong with, and then they'll quote or state a violation of God's word because they really are not consistent because they don't know the values of the faith. What do they need? Well, Paul very simply said that Spiritual infants, they need pure milk of the word. Remember what Paul did in his ministry. He would help people to experience God. That's why we create every weekend service as best we can as an atmosphere that no matter who comes in, you can experience God wherever you are on your journey. And he devoted to discipling and to training and to equipping and to helping them to grow the roots of their faith that would hold them when he was gone and when trials and persecutions would come and they did in the early church that they would have roots that would hold them there. One of the things I love about Christian Life Center that helps in this journey is what we call the Encounter Weekend. The Encounter Weekend is a weekend that you can experience God and it's the doorway of discovery of what God can do to begin to grow the roots of your faith. If you have not yet come on an encounter I challenge, I plead I, I, I hearken unto you to say come and be a part of it and watch and see what God will do in your life. We have one coming in the first week of February. You can, uh, you can register for that and get signed up for that and be a part of that and let it be a year of new beginnings, a reset in your life. What do they need as a spiritual infant? Well, first of all, they need to experience God. There needs to be a desire and a hunger within their heart because they've had that experience. And now they're beginning to develop new habits and biblical rhythms. They're learning how to take the the next steps in their life and grow and become what God wants. There's a growth that begins to take place. Well, in that spiritual infancy, how long are you there? It's not a matter of time. It's a matter of, a matter of what God is doing to transform you and to conform you and that which you are embracing and applying and living in your life. You may be here today and you've been in the church 20 years and you are still in a spiritual infancy stage. Now the good news is that you can move to the next stage, but you've got to see it and embrace it and desire it and long for it and desire to take that step in your life. The next stage in this metaphor is one that's moving out of being a spiritual infant now becomes a spiritual child. This spiritual child phase, and by the way, let me say spiritual maturity, your spiritual growth is a lifelong process. It's, inst- it's not an instantaneous event. It's a journey. It's not a destination. It's not just a class. You can take the fundamentals of the class, of, of the faith class, but it's still a journey of growing and becoming what God wants you to be. In fact, this is how Paul says it in 2 Corinthians three eighteen: Grow in the What? The grace in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to him be glory both now and forever. He says it like this over in Philippians. Peter, that was Peter. First of all, here's Paul, Philippians 2:12. Continue to do what? Work out. Underline that, highlight that. Work out your what? your salvation while well, salvation is by faith uh, uh, it's by grace through faith in jesus christ what does he mean well when i come to christ and i receive salvation it's a gift it's something that i don't deserve i don't get what i deserve but i get what i need and that's grace to forgive me of my sin but now there is a journey of walking in obedience and righteousness, and it's working out, the New Testament writers would say, working out my salvation because I'm walking in obedience. Look here, Colossians 2.6. So then, Paul, again, just as you receive Christ Jesus as your Lord, continue to live in him. So in the spiritual stage of being a spiritual child, one of the things that I'm learning is I'm learning that true believers live in obedience to Christ. In fact, he says, if you love me, Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. And so one of the greatest things I'm learning as a spiritual child in this stage here is that there is a walk of obedience and there is a walk of righteousness and I'm working out my salvation. I'm continuing to grow and I'm living in him and I'm learning to obey everything that he commanded. But yet, the characteristic of one that's growing in this, in this point of their faith is beginning to see that it's not just about me and God, But now I'm beginning to see it's about me and some of my greatest growth is me in relationship with others in the family of God. That I'm connected with others and as I'm connected with others, I'm beginning to grow spiritually. What I learned a long time ago as a pastor is if I stop learning, I stop growing. If there's not a desire, if there's not a hunger, if I'm not striving, then the reality is I stop growing and that spiritual growth and to be a reflection of the glory of God is what he wants in my life. Now the evidence of this, this growth in my life, is am I experiencing God? Through his word, as Pastor Christian said earlier in our service, that God, there's more of your word and I'm experiencing you through the word. That God, I'm, I'm spending time with you and I'm experiencing you through prayer and learning how to live a spirit-filled life. My prayer over the next 21 days is God, open our spiritual ears. Let us be spiritually discerning. Let the Spirit of God speak to us. Let it speak to me. Let it move me, God, that I walk in step with your Spirit. You see, that's a part of this stage. Phrases from this stage. You might recognize someone is in the stage if if they say, Yeah, my life group, yeah, it's just not taking care of my needs. Hmm. I didn't like music today. Did you see what he wore? (laughs) I'm so offended. I can't forgive them. You see these are phrases that came. <laughs> I've even heard someone say uh, even in our church here, all these people that are coming to our church, are, our church is getting too big. It's it's too big. And pastor, how big do you want the church to be? <laughs> I don't have a number. I'm just faithfully preaching and teaching and we're leading people to experience the Lord. It takes me 10 minutes to get out of the parking lot. You know, these are phrases that we may hear when someone's looking at their own needs. What do children want? They want what they want. They're not looking to others. They're not looking at what's happening around them. So what does a spiritual child need the most in this phase right here is they need connection with a spiritual family. Unfortunately, we have too many spiritual orphans in the church We've got to be a part of a spiritual family. What do they need is they need help. You need help. I need help. If we're in this stage, we need help to start growing spiritually. The fundamentals of the faith is a great place to start. The encounter is a great place to start. If you've already finished school of discipleship, maybe it's to say, God, I've got to go more and I've got to grow more and I want to become more like you. And so God, what is that next phase for me? Growing in our spiritual journey so that we can have this growing relationship with God that's vibrant and alive. Can I hear an amen? Now, in our final moments, I want to share with you the last two phases. These last two phases really, for most of you, if you've been in the church a long time, you're already assuming that this is your stage. This is your phase of your spiritual growth. But let me challenge you, these next two, it's very easy to move into this stage. But if we don't continue to maintain what it takes to stay at that stage, we can find ourselves falling back to a lower stage. See, God's desire again is that we're growing and we're maturing and we're experiencing him and we're growing deep roots. But the fourth stage is I become a spiritual young adult. A spiritual young adult now is not only focusing on their relationship with God, but now they're focusing on others. It's not just about me and God, but now it's about how can I be others focused? Now the span here and the areas in this area of growth is a wide, wide span. But some of the key characteristics of a spiritual young adult and one of the keys that we see that one has moved into the stage is they're beginning to understand that God has shaped them. Shape is your divine design. It's it's how God has created you to serve him. When I become a spiritual young adult, I begin to realize it's not just about experiencing God and, and it's not just growing in my faith, but now I've become his tool and his instrument and I become passionate about serving others with the gifts and the abilities that God has given to me. And so those desires begin to press me and push me and move me. In fact, I'll make any sacrifice because there is a desire to say, God, I want to serve you. And I find the greatest joy now in my walk with you when I'm connecting and experiencing you and I'm growing in you and I'm serving you by using my shape for others. I am fueled and it's wind in the cells of my life. Look here how Paul says it over in Romans chapter 12, verse 10. The Living Bible, man, this verse is powerful, powerful verse. I I should preach a whole sermon on this verse right here. and Such a powerful, powerful verse. Love each other with what? Genuine affection. Take delight in honoring each other. I find today we delight in honoring those that are like us or believe like us or agree with us. He's talking to all believers. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Now we need this more than ever. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. And always be eager to practice hospitality. You see, when we're developing the character of Christ, what happens is, is we begin to, to see people as God would see them. We don't overlook them. In fact, we learn to overlook their faults. We give grace and we desire, as a spiritual young adult, to wor- walk in unity and to strive. For unity. It's, a, it's an aspect of being a spiritual young adult. Young adults, we know, <laughs> young adults are action-minded. They're zealous. They, they want to make a difference. And your spiritual growth requires in stage four that you're no longer a spectator, but now you're a participant with God. You're not passively involved, but now you're actively using your gift that we call your shape, your divine design. This stage, you will begin to hear people say, I love my life group. Why isn't everybody in a life group? If you need any help, just let me know. Did you see how many people were in church nowadays? Did you see how many people are coming back to church? I mean, it's exciting. In my devotions, the Lord was saying this to me. What are the needs? What do they need in this stage? They need to be fed, yes, but they've learned to feed themselves. They need places to serve. They need to learn how to discover and use their shape, mentoring and relationship. These are needs of those in this stage. The last stage and the final stage, and you can begin to play. I felt you come in. I, I felt it in the background here. You can begin to play for me. It'll help me wrap up. Stage five is a spiritual parent. Now we use the word parent purposefully, instead of the word adult. Because a parent is someone who has a child. Spiritual parents reproduce. They intentionally make other disciples who in turn can make other disciples. See, one of our values is that we impact our world. And if we're going to impact our world, we as the church, have got to grow spiritually. And if we all can get to the stage and, 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 the, and the phage here of being a spiritual parent, we will see what the book of Acts saw, and that is the world is being turned upside down because we're living it out. If we don't, if we don't press and we don't push, if we don't do what God wants us to do, then the reality is it'll be on just a few and we won't have the impact that he wants us to make. So one of the key things about a spiritual parent is that they're intentional and they're living out and and they're doing what they need to do to advance the kingdom of God. Now, don't mistakenly take that one level uh, implies someone is greater or lesser than somebody else that's at another level. All levels are vital. Parents are not more valuable than infants. That's not the point. But each stage requires greater responsibility in our life. And the stages of spiritual parenthood is where the work really begins, Spiritual parents are intentional. They're cooperating with God and the desire is to reproduce disciples. And so they intentionally build relationships so that discipleship can take place. They understand the vision of how that happens. They know how to reproduce and it leads them to lead others in a journey, these stages that I've talked to you about so that it reproduces for the kingdom of God. Let me share two verses in our final moments. Philippians 12, 1. I'm sorry, Hebrews. (laughs) Philippians has 12 chapters now. Hebrews 12, 1. Therefore, since we're surrounded with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything, say everything, that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Two different things, and let us run with perseverance the race that was marked out for us. See, as a spiritual parent, you know that you're divinely shaped, and that there's an intentionality that says, "God, we've got to reproduce for the kingdom of God." Hebrews, go back a few chapters. Chapter five, in verse twelve. I don't think this is in your outline. Hebrews five, verse twelve. At a time when you should be teaching others, you need teachers yourself to repeat you the ABCs of God's revelation to men. You have become people who need a milk diet and cannot face solid food. For anyone who continues to live on milk is unable to digest what is right. He simply has not grown up. Solid food is only for the adult. That is for the man who has developed by experience his power to discriminate between what is good and what is evil. You see, this is an important stage, and I'm praying that over the next several weeks and throughout this year, that all of us are gonna move from one stage to another stage. I've already said to you a couple times, you can be at one stage and slip back to another stage. But my prayer is that in 2021, there's going to be a reset. There's going to be a divine, divine reset. And there's going to be new beginnings that begin to take place in our life and we become what God wants us to be. Can I hear an amen? If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.